0: A WBZ Original.
1: After last week's um, display on Facebook of our argument over the pies. I know. One of People my husband's friends saw it on Facebook and called Bill and he was like, um, wow.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that 30 seconds oh. made me seem so reasonable and measured in my approach and Paula was like unhinged. unhinged. Yeah, it it was, was the best clip possible for me, for my
3: repetition. I see. She stopped recording before you trashed the place. That's right. Okay. <laughs>
1: Everybody, welcome to Studio BZ. It is episode thirteen, but we will not consider it bad luck of mm. season two. And welcome on into Studio BZ. I'm Paula
0: Ebben.
2: I'm Liam Martin. This is a good luck episode because it's packed full of stuff. Job. and yeah, I'm John
0: Keller. And shouldn't we just skip thirteen the way those high-rise yes, buildings? That's right. Trump <laughs> Tower has no thirteenth floor. We're on episode yet. fourteen uh, of season so two. So what are we talking about? Well, this week we're. Uh, taking a deep dive into one of the biggest post-election political controversies in the country, uh, bubbling up right out of the... Out of our home here in Massachusetts, it's Congressman Seth Moulton's increasingly wobbly effort Mm. to take out Nancy Pelosi and prevent her from regaining the speakership. We'll talk with the author of a hard-hitting new piece in Political magazine about why that effort appears to be circling the bowl.
1: We also have the sound and reaction after the Merrimack Valley hearing. There are 2,000 people still without gas after that disaster in early September. Which continues to be shocking, how people are still living. And uh, so our senators uh, and other local officials sat down and really grilled the executives from
0: Columbia Gas. And the way they did it is really interesting. We'll
2: talk about what came out of that. And then this remarkable landing yesterday, or I should say Monday, of the NASA InSight lander onto Mars. We're going to talk with an MIT scientist about why this mission is so remarkable and what the InSight will do now that it has landed.
1: And finally, John, I'm beating Liam in fantasy uh, football. No,
2: you did beat me. Night you beat side, me in one game. Yes, in one game. She beat game. me in Night one side, game.
1: we all uh, have a fantasy football team, and I was victorious. Would you
2: say, Paula, that you're beating him like a drum, I would like say, a mule? I would say it's humiliating. <laughs> Two points. Like Two an old blanket.
1: Embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. um, we're going
2: to get into, though, is fantasy is skill required in fantasy football. Does it play a role? I would say yes, though, Paula, it was completely luck. We'll go forward from there on that. Tread on thin ice there,
0: boss.
4: The American people cried out for change in this election. I think that if our party answers that call for change that we've heard across the country by reinstalling the same status quo leadership team that we've had in place since 2006, and we're failing the American people. You know, and that's why the majority of Americans want this change, the majority of Democrats want this change. I just think that there are amazing leaders in our party. I think that there are amazing people across our party. who could, The sound of
0: maybe a rocket... A political rocket coming down to earth? We'll see. That's North Shore Congressman Seth Moulton uh, presiding over, if you can call it that, a contentious town hall meeting with his constituents in Amesbury last week. And since that happened, Moulton's effort, which has been going on really for the better part of three years now, to uh, get Nancy Pelosi out as the leader of Democrats in the House, to be replaced with someone else, uh, not himself, but someone else, uh, it appears to be, uh, shall we say, circling the bowl. Mm-hmm. You had... Uh Congresswoman-elect Ayanna Presley, sort of the star of the local election cycle here, come out and say that after due deliberation, she's going to back
2: Presley. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez yeah. is backing the, uh, the
0: The Congresswoman-elect from New York, who's also seen as a, a big change agent in the House. And you had uh, uh, Congresswoman Marsha Fudge of Ohio, an African-American woman who had been touted by Moulton himself as a possible figurehead for this movement, who might become Speaker, announcing that she met with Pelosi and she agrees now that she will support her. So it's uh, a shaping up to be kind of a political fiasco uh, for young Mr. Moulton. Surprised, Paula?
1: Well, it seems as though, you know, when you come at the king, you best not miss, or in this case, the speaker. The queen. (laughs) uh, The queen, the speaker, because uh, as you point out, John, Seth Moulton just, despite his military background, didn't seem to have a good charge at the Hill here, and understand he needed the troops behind him, and a really good plan in place before he started this whole campaign. And as you said, it went on for two years, is criticizing Nancy Pelosi, saying that she should be overthrown as Speaker. Um, I would say we've got a combination of sexism and ageism at work here, especially considering her success on Election Day this November. Uh, I will after the say way she guided the Democrats.
2: That to me, it seemed more like a strategic error than a. Misreading of the moment. I do think there are a lot of concerns among both Democratic politicians and Democratic voters about Pelosi as the face of the party for the next two years heading into 2020. Uh, The Republicans. In every midterm election, run on, you don't want Nancy Pelosi as the speaker. Now, it did not work this time. No, it didn't. But it has no. worked in almost every other election. The Republicans have dominated those House elections but don't you for years think this and time,
1: years. What you need is a skilled speaker in the House getting the votes, mm-hmm. uh, working the back rooms, that whoever the nominee is in 2020 really becomes the face of the Democratic Party. But I think Party. that
2: Moulton's argument there is that – The House can pass as much legislation as it wants in the next two years. Almost none of it will matter because the Senate will not pass that legislation. And what we should go for instead is someone who can inspire the voters ahead of 2020, uh, not give the Republicans – that weapon. I mean, Donald, President Trump was very open that he wanted Pelosi and we all know why he wants Pelosi. It's because she's a very easy punching bag heading into 2020.
1: But I think, you know, Tip O'Neill was the real foil to Ronald Reagan and I don't know, John, do you think he really inspired people to go to the polls in the presidential race? I mean, I don't
2: know. Was Uh, Tip O'Neill as polarizing as Nancy Pelosi? absolutely.
1: There were cartoons of him as the fat cat of Capitol Hill, as beloved as he was here in Massachusetts. Around the country, he he was sort of a real caricature of bloated Washington, you know, who established and who had been there too long. Mm-hmm. Backroom deals, right. don't you think, John?
0: Well, that yeah, absolutely. And I mean, look, there's no question. There is a case to be made against Pelosi. But what what is surprising to me is that someone like uh, Congressman Moulton, who served honorably in Iraq, Mm. uh, three tours of duty, I believe, volunteered to go. Uh, you would think someone with that kind of experience would have a better battle plan. Sure. And uh, with regard to that battle plan, what the flaws in it have turned out to be and why he's on the verge of a crushing, embarrassing defeat, mm-hmm. we spoke with Bill Sher, a veteran political analyst and commentator based in Western Massachusetts. He's a special correspondent for Political magazine, and he picked apart the Molten Strategy in a piece currently online on the political website.
3: This is Greater Boston, Cradle of American Democracy. Our
0: guest has written an article for Politico magazine entitled The Pathetic Pelosi Putsch. That's Putsch as in P-U-T-S-C-H. His name is Bill Scher. He's contributing editor for Politico magazine. And, Bill, I have to say right off the top, uh, you don't see the word putsch used much anymore. It's a good
3: word. <laughs> I, I can't take credit. All, all credit goes to Politico's editors. Well, for, <laughs> those who, for those who don't know, what does that mean? That means when I, I submit my copy to my editor, I often suggest a headline, but yeah. I do not get final say over the actual headline. <laughs> that one was
0: not mine. Well, what I meant is putch itself is an old term. and I think it was uh, popularized like a, by the like Russians, a, like a coup right? Or an ouster. And ouster in, in terms of the overthrow of a leader. Yeah. So um, it's still up in the air what will happen. I believe the House Democratic Caucus was scheduled to vote Wednesday of this week. That's a foregone conclusion. And the big vote in theory would be in January when the full house votes and Nancy Pelosi has a limited number of Democrats that she could afford to lose in a straight party line vote. But you seem to think uh, that uh, uh, the the Seth Moulton putsch
3: is has gone belly up. why? Well there there's no challenger uh, the the molten forces have said, oh we don't need a challenger. We're just trying to show that she can't win on the house floor in January where you need the a uh, majority of all who show up democrats and republicans. So if a faction of democrats votes against her, she falls short and you move to a second ballot. So they're trying to spook her into standing down by saying we're going to stop you on the floor so to save yourself the embarrassment and bow out. I've never seen anyone in look less spooked than Nancy Pelosi has looked <laughs> in the last few weeks. It's true. Well, And she's already taken two of the people off of Moulton's initial list of opponents and flipped them, including the person that Moulton himself was promoting as the potential challenger. So all the expectation is that if she can pick off two, she can pick off more.
1: And, and don't you think that's what's making it look so small, Bill, that John made the very astute point that in contrast... Iana Presley really kind of kept her powder dry, and now as she goes to Washington, uh, and Seth Moulton's attempt here seems to have been bungled. He looks like he's put himself in a very weak position.
3: Well, and that, this is one of the many mistakes he has made. I think his mistakes. Are, I think it's a long list, but one of the biggest is his group of people is largely coming from the the right edge of the party, uh, and it's a big part. It's a big tent party. And there are critics of Pelosi across that spectrum. There are people on the left who don't love Pelosi. One of the newly elected uh, avowed socialists, Rashida Tlaib, said in the campaign that she doesn't prioritize the issues that matter to the people in my district and she's too close to the Big Pink, so I'm probably not going to vote for her. Moulton had no outreach to the left flank of the party so at the so after election day he could say i have a broad spectrum of people from the left and the right that want new leadership now granted that's hard because if you're going to do that you need to find a candidate who can unite those disparate factions But that's what a leader does. If you're going to oust somebody like Pelosi, who has successfully united those factions before, you better do a better job than her in doing that kind of uniting, and he hasn't.
0: Bill, you point out that, um, well, first of all, two years ago, a molten... Uh, backed, uh, He actually had a real-life challenger, Congressman Tim Ryan of Ohio, uh, who failed to uh, uh, beat Pelosi in the election for minority and leader. And it seemed
1: kind of fresh. Well, then. it
0: seemed kind of fresh, and it came after another debacle election cycle for Democrats in the House. Here they come with one of the most sweeping uh, Democratic House uh victories in many many years and yet he's back out with the same old mes- message what was that all about
3: well no, another one of his main problems they've never had a critique of pelosi the molten forces about her actual performance as speaker. you know, some on the left don't like certain things that she's done. Right. Those on the right, their complaint has been political. She's bad baggage. She's a bad face of the party. She makes it hard for us to win in swing areas. Not that she can't do the job itself. So after 2016, where the Democrats took this surprise shellacking, she was potentially a great person to, to scapegoat. And Tim Ryan got about 60 votes, about a third of the caucus, which is not that shabby. right? But now... They've just won 40, a of you know, 40 seats in the House, a House popular vote margin of 8 percent, which is not um, not the greatest ever, but still very good historically. And they're still claiming that she's a political problem.
1: John and I have talked about this before, Bill, that one of the reasons why this sweep happened, the blue wave in the end, we realize now that the numbers have added up, did happen is because of the kind of message discipline that Pelosi herself instituted that in the last month of the campaign, you didn't hear about Russia, you didn't hear about the Supreme Court fight and Kavanaugh. And she said to the rank and file, I don't care, go say the worst things you need to say about me, go ahead, just win. And you know, I think one of the most stark things that you write in your piece is that Moulton deflects charges of sexism because of his attitude about her by saying that he really wants to wipe out a whole lot of geriatric Democratic leaders in the name of diversity. That doesn't seem very wise at this
3: juncture. Well, I agree. But I'll, let me go back to your first point about Pelosi's ruthless pragmatism. Yeah. Because she is she's caricatured by the right. Right as the quintessential San Francisco liberal, but she's not. She is very attuned to protecting the more moderate members of the caucus, uh, not waging every culture war battle possible. I mean, that message, message discipline was telling her candidates, you don't have to lean in on abortion. You don't have to talk about immigration. You talk about health care, not single payer. You hammer Republicans on protecting preexisting conditions. You call their repeal Proposal and age tax that will jack up premiums on seniors. You say you're going to protect Social Security, Medicare. Uh, and if you're in a district where you think I'm bad news, then feel free to distance yourself from me. I don't care. I'm still going to give you money. Now you could now you could argue, well, if beating on Pelosi helped them win, that they should follow suit. But most of the Democrats that won did not do that. Uh, so Molten doesn't have enough of a bench of people who. I mean, you can say, hey, Joe Cunningham in South Carolina, you said you're going to vote against Pelosi. Go to it. Vote against Pelosi. I, I would
1: go out on a limb here and say to the two of you that I do think what you are seeing here is a real level of sexism in the way a speaker is appreciated. I think if you take the skills of Tip O'Neill and match them up against the skills of Nancy Pelosi, uh, perhaps women aren't as good at trumpeting their skills. Uh, David Axelrod always makes the excellent point that she might not be the best on the Sunday shows. But what Nancy Pelosi really has is that she is Nancy D'Alessandro, the daughter of the former mayor of Baltimore, and she knows how to count votes and work the back rooms, skills that are valuable. Valued in men on Capitol Hill and somehow are not appreciated. And, and let her. me just
0: add to that. Great point, Paul. And let me just add to that, Bill. Uh, Moulton, uh, as you know, you're you're around here. You know, he's not necessarily identified as a sexist in any way, shape or form. What
3: happened here? Right. Why is he doing well, this? Well, the problem is now he's going to be. I mean, he, yeah. he clearly has presidential ambitions and he wanted to be seen as a military veteran, youthful taking on the Washington establishment, putting people over party, you know, that's his brand. And he felt he had to show that by taking on the top leader of his party. And he didn't think through how is this is gonna look through the lens of, uh, of sexism. And if he had actually fielded a slate of challengers, I'm gonna go after Pelosi, her number two, Steny Hoyer, her number three, Jim Clyburn, at the same time, then maybe he would have avoided that charge. But instead, he focused solely on her uh, and... And he tried to mitigate that by saying, by taking out Pelosi, we're gonna we're gonna help diversity. I, I support Marsha Fudge. She's a African American woman. Wouldn't it be great to have a woman of color uh, as as Speaker of the House? And then she abandoned him, and then he lost that, that talking point. So,
1: what do you do now? Seth Moulton is obviously a very bright guy, Harvard graduate who chose to go into the military. His service three three. Three tours. He was a leader. He talks about in interviews about how proud his men were when they would say their leader went to Harvard. He's
0: recently himself was decorated. Was decorated.
1: Recently married. Has an adorable baby. Yeah. He has all the makings of a fantastic campaign flyer moving forward. How does he? Uh, fix this now. If this seems like an early blunder in his career, well,
3: uh, honestly, I don't, I don't know if it's fixable. I mean, I, really? I don't think he wants to. St- I don't think he wants to stay in the House. Quite frankly, I mean, this is just me speculating. I don't know what is in his inner thoughts. But he has never acted like a House lifer. <laughs> he, he's acted like he, I'm here for a short time, and I'm going to move on to the presidential field. This presidential primary has started. People have already declared—not the bigger names, but the smaller names have started to declare bigger names are coming in a, in a month or two. No one's going to waste time. You got to build up your networks. You need to find your donors. You need to find your volunteers. You need to find your strategic council. And if you don't lay claim to some now, they're going to get snatched up because that feels going to be 20 people, maybe even more. Uh, so- How does he his introduction to the Democratic electorate nationally is this? I took on a successful, historic woman speaker and got trounced. I I, I am assuming he's going to get trounced. Uh, So I don't think you can fix that in a short window of time if he had, you know, two, three, four years to actually have some legislative accomplishments of note. Maybe he could put this behind him. But I don't know if he's going to be able to stick around the House so long. If, if, if he wants to stick around, which I think is debatable, and he's he's egging on a primary challenge if, if he does try to stick around. So
1: he has snatched defeat from the jaws of Democratic victory <laughs> yeah. this
0: November. Well, what about uh, in two years? Uh, President Trump isn't the only one up for reelection. Ed, Senator Ed Markey is also up. And a lot of speculation that I've been hearing about Moulton centers around a possible primary challenge to Markey. How does this impact that, if at all, Bill?
3: I mean, it, it does impact it. I, I don't know what the angle would be now. Now, Mark, there's a piece in the Globe today. You've probably seen about you know is Marky ripe for a challenge from a non-white male? The way uh, Capuano got taken up by uh, by Presley, mm-hmm. uh, and and maybe I mean, I mean Marky is not disliked, but words, Capuano he just was a, an old white guy in the wrong place in the wrong time. Yeah. Uh, so maybe Marky's susceptible to that, but against another white guy who's not Joe Kennedy, who just got uh, his hat handed to him by Nancy Pelosi. What, where, I mean, this is within a Democratic primary constituency. It's going to lean pretty left. Uh, so I, I don't see where, where the opening would be for him there.
1: Bill Sher, thanks so much yeah, for great. joining us. It sounds as though Seth Moulton now has some real
0: career decisions to
1: great make. Great
3: article,
0: The Pathetic Pelosi Putsch, currently online in Politico magazine. And Bill, you'll be at Springfield Technical Community College this Thursday morning at 9.30. For our Central and Western Massachusetts listeners, what's your
3: subject matter there? We're talking about the midterm elections. Uh, what What did the results mean, and what does it mean for 2020? Great having you on. Please come back again. Absolutely. Take care.
1: Mr. Hamrock, has your pay been reduced as a result of this disaster?
3: Senator, uh, again, I take full responsibility. I, that's for a help. yes or no question. Do you plan to resign? At this point, Congressman, I do not. I'm not in a position today to make such a commitment.
1: Nobody should ever go through what
4: my family has gone through ever again.
3: No second chances. We are deeply sorry. I am deeply sorry.
1: Just before Newstime on September 13th, it was really shocking in the newsroom to head out to the studio for the 5 o'clock news. And we understood that several homes were on fire in the area around Lawrence, Andover. And over the next hour or so, as it became clear that there were as many as 40 homes on fire simultaneously and this disaster in the Merrimack Valley unfolded, I mean, in this day and age, it was really unbelievable that this kind of disaster could take place. And I think, John, you said you had read somewhere it's perhaps the worst natural gas disaster in
0: history. Uh, the ver- worst man-made, man-made disaster, certainly in American history, possibly in the world, mm, and which would, is to, really stunning.
2: To me, the obviously, there is the mistake The initial mistake that's made leading to this deadly uh, series of explosions and people are still without gas. For people that out. don't
0: know, by the way, the NTSB has indicated that the uh, uh, an engineer uh, hired by an source, uh, basically just screwed up
2: royally. Overpressurized the yeah. line yeah. leading yeah. to these Go explosions. Ahead. And to me, there's that initial mistake and you almost can – you can – forgive that if the response afterwards is then correct there's human error these things happen it's terrible but these things happen and it was the pr disaster afterwards where they did not appear on camera through the whole first day i went to the scene in lawrence there was no one to be seen from columbia gas or nice source until the following day and then there was an apology but it was full of qualifications and i remember just a just a few weeks ago i remember listening to this one person who was talking about how you make an apology and the way you handle pr and it's first you start with the apology you don't give qualifications and then you immediately offer concessions to prove how sorry you are and how you're willing to make things right and it just seems like they've you know they're they're on track to meet their own deadline of december 16th to get the gas back on but so many people are still waiting to get money to deal with the expenses that have arisen because of this. And at every turn when they're asked, you know, how much – the CEO at this hearing on Monday was asked, you know, how much money do you make? Five million dollars. Do you plan to, you know, take any sort of a pay cut? Do you plan to resign? They're just That so, never happens. They just... Right. Wait, a minute, and, wait and, and a minute. concession given He there. said that he's asked the board of directors
0: of source nice to withhold his bonus. Oh, for his oh, bonus. Nice. How
1: nice. Let's also <laughs> not forget the death of 18-year-old Lena Rondon, mm-hmm. who was just this innocent boy sitting in a in a driveway and a chimney that exploded off a house fell on him and killed him. I'll never forget how shocked I was the day after when Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera and Governor Baker had a news conference together there at the site. And Mayor Rivera was in tears that he had, remember, told people to shut off all their power and electricity and gas. And after Initial conversations with Columbia Gas hadn't received any more information from them. Never mind apologies and then making Baker, it right. They didn't even know what to tell And then Governor Baker do.
0: stepped in and relieved right. Columbia of any oversight of the immediate aftermath and put Eversource
2: mm-hmm. in, in, charge. in charge. So what it of, was
0: time for hearings. One of the
2: interesting things that came out of this hearing on Monday that we haven't, I feel like it hasn't been covered enough, is that the state had, for the entire state, two inspectors. Two inspectors in the Department of Public Utilities do. I mean, this it's an incredibly dangerous system. It's an incredibly dangerous system because one person makes a mistake and we have a series of explosions like this. The state is now saying they're going to add more, but two inspectors? Listen, there's plenty of institutional blame
0: or, or concern at the very least to go around here. But I think you put your finger on it many years from now. Uh, business schools will be teaching the Columbia Gas Explosions as a lesson in how not to do crisis management. And, you know, it was interesting to me at the hearing how the politicians, uh, uh, Congressman Moulton, Senator Warren, Senator Markey, you know, zeroed right in on those executives. You knew that was going to happen. They knew walking in there they were going to take a beating. Mm -hmm. And, you know, okay, the CEO of Nysource makes $5 Five million dollars a year—that's a little bit more than the three of us put together. <laughs> uh, but it's an, uh, the company has nine hundred million dollars in revenue. So really, that's it's not out of proportion. Proportion uh, to what a CEO would make. But the problem is, uh, I mean, maybe a better response would have been, you know, I make five million, and uh, under ordinary circumstances, that wouldn't be. Out of line, but I can certainly understand how, in the wake of this horrendous blunder and all the damage it's caused, uh, you know, I've, I've, I,
2: agree with you. I probably don't, I probably do deserve a pay cut. It's a remarkable moment. How come you can't say that, even if you don't mean it? Because he doesn't <laughs> want to give up any of his five million dollars. We have people living in in trailers, motels, in trailers, in the freezing cold with With no gas, can't be home for the holidays. You can't imagine the rage, and this it took this long to get this hearing going. It took this long to apologize. It took that long to give their initial response when it first i mean, it's just it's all incredible. see to me, this
0: is something that's it may seem obvious, but it's it's been a sort of an unremarked upon. Uh, theme running through American po- political life for a long, long time now, and that's incompetence, Yes. whereby when you strip it all away, what do you hear people complain about most about Congress? that the Democrats did X, Y, and Z, or the Republicans did A, B, and C. No, it's... They they, can't get anything. They can't get anything done. They're incompetent. There's no measure of uh, them being professionals. And and that's the minimum that people are looking for in a politician, in a gas line installer, in anything. Just don't be a wicked incompetent. And in this case, they not only... uh, uh, committed an act of gross incompetence and negligence, but they modeled profound institutional incompetence in their pathetic mishandling on the One day One other afternoon.
2: note on this is that Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera yesterday or during this hearing on Monday said um, he thinks Columbia Gas should cease to exist. Yeah. And I, I put them out of business. When I first heard that, I thought, oh, maybe he's going a little too far there. Um, I don't know through what mechanism that would be imposed upon NISORs. But it does occur to me that maybe even financially, the exposure that NYSOR faces in terms of liability, in terms of just rebuilding the infrastructure, could be substantial enough to put it at risk.
0: Well, if they if they're making nine hundred million a year,
2: maybe doesn't not. seem
0: to me, well doesn't seem to me beyond the pale that a significant chunk of that revenue could wind up uh, going elsewhere uh, through through the legal process. We'll see. That's them away, that then is the way the WBC
3: treating you as your boss of work.
1: Well, NASA made history again yesterday, landing the InSight spacecraft on Mars. It really is a remarkable achievement, traveling millions of miles and using Mars' atmosphere, a high-speed parachute, and rockets to stick the landing.
2: And joining us tonight to discuss this remarkable moment is MIT scientist Jennifer Birch. She's been on before. Mm -hmm. Always nice to see you. Friend of the program. (laughs) 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 Friend of the program, indeed. (laughs) The first question I have, it's so easy for us to lose perspective when... We've seen uh, spacecraft land on Mars before. We've had the rover on there before. It's driven around. We've collected samples. Mm -hmm. What makes this so difficult? Why is it so remarkable to land something on Mars like we've just done again?
4: One of the main challenges is that Mars is just so far away that we don't actually have instantaneous communication. So... I don't know if you caught the video of the people in the control room at NASA having these very tense expressions on their faces (laughs) as the rover landed. That data, as we started to get it in, that it had been successful, had been traveling for eight minutes. And so there was this eight-minute delay where the rover had to do everything on its own, make decisions, land itself, and then tell us it had succeeded, and we just didn't actually know if that had happened. And there's
2: all that risk that as it's entering the atmosphere, it burns up, or it crashes, Mm -hmm. all kinds of variables involved with trying to get it to do that. The speed
4: change is crazy. So InSight hit the atmosphere doing something like 10,000 miles an hour and then managed to slow itself to about five miles an hour before it touched down. And just that change is a huge undertaking. Amazing. And we're already seeing some stunning images images today uh, from the
1: initial first day there on Mars, but that's actually not the mission of InSight. What is going to be the mission for it moving forward?
4: Sure, yeah. So the images were kind of its first uh, hello, I made it sign, which is always (laughs) a welcome thing to receive. InSight is actually focused on kind of taking the vital signs of Mars. So where a lot of missions over the past few decades have focused on the surface of Mars and the canyons and rivers and dunes that we can see, InSight Mm -hmm. is actually going to look below the surface. going to do things like monitor seismic waves, uh, take the temperature of Mars, looking for a heat flow, and monitor very precise changes in the planet's position, all of which will help us understand what's going on beneath the surface. So,
2: Why do we care about the seismic activity on Mars?
4: So the big thing is that by looking inside the planet, it's gonna help us understand the formation and the evolution of the planet. So instead of getting a sense of what's happened over the past few thousand years, which we get from looking at the surface, we'll be able to get a better idea of what happened four and a half billion years ago when Mars was first formed, and that's a hard thing to do. Wow, and speaking of hard things to do,
1: (laughs) how is InSight getting the information back to us here on Earth?
4: Sure, so because it's a lander, InSight will stay on the surface of Mars. Its mission should last for about two years. relies on other spacecraft orbiting Mars. So InSight sends them information, Mm. and then they ping it to Earth and sink it off of the deep space network. So
2: we send spacecraft up years and years ago. It's now being used to relay information to (laughs) Mm. us from the ground on Mars. Unbelievable. How does it have... Power on Mars. It has to deploy these instruments that you say will measure some seismic activity, yep. that sort of thing. How does it? How does it generate power while it's sitting there on Mars?
4: Okay, so the second kind of big uh, teeth-biting or nail-biting moment mm-hmm. was Insight unfolding its solar panels, which happened last night. And so there are these big solar panels uh, that. Unfold, they will collect light from the sun, and hopefully, even when there are dust storms on Mars, they'll still be big enough. They can pull in enough photons, enough mm-hmm. energy to run all yeah. three of those instruments. And you, I would imagine that would really help in our solar panel technology, right? Yeah. What we can learn sure. from the kind of it's, power. Yeah, one of the many ways where wow. you know the science we develop, looking outwards to space, can actually benefit us back here yeah. on Earth as well.
1: And you know, we've joked for decades about little green men. <laughs> but <laughs> what's the fascination with Mars? Why not as Liam brought up, why not go to Mercury or Venus? Why do we always seem to focus on Mars in this era?
4: Sure, so the big thing with Venus is that its atmosphere is very different from Earth. It's very corrosive. It's not a very friendly or hospitable place. Mars doesn't have much of an atmosphere, but it is more similar, more hospitable to us than Venus is, and so it's close enough that we can get to it, and it's similar enough to Earth that it'll help us to better understand how small planets, small rocky planets really come into existence. And of
2: course, a rocky planet like ours, why not- not Mercury? I know that that's not all that far away. It's not that much farther than Mars, right? Why not Mercury?
4: It, it's a fair distance away. I think the main concern uh, is just that it's so hot, it's so mm. close to the sun, that the surface can be really, really toasty. Yeah. Wow. Well,
1: hopefully Insight is going to have a great time up there. <laughs> <laughs> <I think it's laughs> Better than Matt Damon. <laughs> on
4: Mars. Then
2: the people come next. <laughs> we'll send funny. them up there eventually. It's, it's coming. true.
4: Would yeah. you go? Oh, I don't know. If it was a return <laughs> trip, then yes. <laughs> that's
2: great. Round trip ticket. Jennifer Bird from MIT, thank you so much. Always yeah, good to thanks. see you. John, do you play fantasy football or no. have you? Okay. No, I don't. I have a life. <laughs> Seriously, I'm thinking of never playing again. It's frankly. so upsetting. Um, so should we just jump right in on this? You already had. I already Liam, have. Okay. is it that I'm
1: a woman? <laughs> no. Or that I just don't even
2: care? It's that you don't care and that uh. you still want. So let me let me set the table here for this conversation. Paula... And I and six other of our nightside WBZ team here are in a fantasy football league together. And David Wade, the night before the first game of the season, said, hey, let's do a fantasy league. And there's no time for us to stage an actual draft where we pick the team. So we'll do an auto draft. This is where an algorithm picks out the players for you and fills out your roster. The algorithm just really liked me. So as it so as it turned out, um, the algorithm picked a really good team for Paula and, and a really good team for some other people. And other people ended up with a mediocre team and other people ended up with a totally terrible team. And Paula and I were getting late into the season. I played her the other night and I lost by two points um, on the final drive but, and let's of just the Minnesota out, Green Bay game.
1: But since the night that David had the algorithm pick the team correct not only have i not paid attention <laughs> i have not looked at said <laughs> fantasy football league True, page. Truly. this is they're in there john yeah. they're yeah. moving their players around they're yeah. looking at position who's injured this week All right. Who has proper burst and yardage. You're capable
0: of making
2: conversation on other topics.
1: This is true. (laughs) This is true. You and I do have lives. Well, yeah, sure. We do. do. We're a little busy. So here's
2: it got us thinking. You know, is there skill involved in fantasy football? And I would make the case that absolutely there's skill involved in fantasy football. Initially with the draft, except in there's my a case. lot of skill involved in the draft because of course you have to be aware of who the players are, uh, what kind of seasons they had last year. Do they have any injury concerns heading into this? And then there's there are all kinds of layers to it where you have to make a decision about, do I want to pick of running back in the first round or I want to pick a wide receiver? I want to pick John a quarterback.
0: is rolling and there are all his kinds eyes. kinds of implications. Well, when, <laughs>
2: you mean in this case, Al
0: had to mull all these
2: factors. Yes. The algorithm. Algorithm had to get Big Al, went That's through right. and picked teams for each of us, mm-hmm. which I never would have wanted to be part of an auto draft league because <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get. He's been humiliated. What happened? He
1: doesn't want to go through this again. So what happened?
2: So what happened is my team. This is why I'm so frustrated. And I will say I've shown remarkable grace. I came in the next. I came in the next day. I talked to Paula very politely, Mm. even though she might have knocked me out of the playoffs. Very
1: pleased with itself. So my
2: season started one and three because of the... (laughs) Playoffs.
1: He's
2: (laughs) endlessly entertained by this. (laughs) Mind you, these
1: are playoffs that uh, (laughs) that that aren't really happening. In my
2: mind, they exist. In my mind. (laughs) It's it's just how you get the kids to go to bed (laughs) at night by talking talking to them about about this. By the way,
1: Jonathan, this looks... Like, makes my apple pie tirade look rational uh, Well, by comparison.
2: Yeah, maybe. But anyway, that go on. That is a high bar, though. Go on. So I, I start the season one and three because my auto draft <laughs> turns out just not to be great. The mm-hmm. auto draft was not great to me. Uh-huh. I go through. I pick up. The, I get rid uh-huh. of almost my whole team minus, I think, three players. I get a <laughs> bunch of guys off waivers. I do this. I do that. Oh, Come waivers. back. Come all the way back. Almost with a playoff berth, <laughs> ready to make the playoff, remarkable yeah. comeback. And Paula beats me by two points. Yeah. Doesn't know a Having single never player on her team. Yeah. Doesn't know a single dead. player on her team. If I had a tie I'd on, it. I'd hang myself with it right back. <laughs> I'm so poor. <floored. laughs>
1: His eyes blazing over.
2: Wow!
1: I it's. Oh, it, Liam!
2: I will listen, Liam. Probably wait. never play fantasy again. I'm so scared. Let me
1: explain something yeah.
0: to you. And I, I say this with all <laughs> affection and respect. <laughs> what we've learned here today in this segment on Studio BZ is that. You are a nerd. Now, that's not a derogatory <laughs> no, I, epithet. Eric Fisher, take our meteorologist, pride. by his own nerd, is a total nerd. Nerd. Is yeah. nerd. You think you see these guys, Liam Eric, they're so handsome, they're so <laughs> smart and articulate, and you think, wow, they're handsome, smart, and articulate. No, they're nerds. No, let's not go crazy. <laughs> and no, that's why we love nerd. them yes. so. Well, you know what's Lovable interesting? I, I, Lovable, right.
2: I, for the longest time, hid that I was a nerd. High school. Oh, no. You're I didn't. was told. No, no. In high school, I played sports. <laughs> you, you I did all this stuff. Did. Well, I tried. <laughs> to hide. Yes, I ineffectively hid it. And, and because when I was in high school, being a nerd, was you, didn't know, you did not want to be a straight-A student. You didn't want to be a nerd. You didn't want to. I'm, I'm particularly, like you, John, a nerd with politics. And, and um, I did not broadcast that. And, but I feel like recently being a nerd is kind of kind of cool. Absolutely, This, this, MIT, Absolutely. this, this MIT scientist who's coming in, uh, who has come in to talk to us about this Mars landing. I assume she will proudly wear the badge of. Gender Absolutely.
0: Silk. Now is a, is the term nerd gender
2: neutral or I
1: think so. Yeah. I think so. I think at yes. this point
2: nerd okay. is yeah, oh, anyone. Oh yeah. When right. be nerd about, dad about any or number something. Of things. Paul is a nerd about um Broadway musicals. Broadway
1: musicals. Uh, literature novels. Literature. Yeah, the yeah royal very family. Inter- literature. The royal family uh, no, big no, time nerds like no. that. So no, that. that's kind of yes. dorky, <laughs> Paul. That, Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> that crosses that is
2: not nerd. That would be that would be dork uh yeah, maybe there's another <laughs> word for that, that we we don't even know oh, yet. Pathetic. I'd say tool, but no, that's <laughs> not
1: <laughs> Listen. Tool I think is want to
2: know about Tool the, I think is gender specific. I think that know, one only tension applies to
1: between me. William and Harry. I'm your girl.
2: Yeah, you are. Um, you are. So that's so, the story of uh, well, yeah. fantasy football. Okay, then why
1: is fantasy football so popular if it drives people
2: so crazy? Ah, that's a good it's a good Dan question. I mean, it's, a whole it's basically like other. gambling. You know what I think? I think it's because some weeks you win and some weeks you don't. And it gives you a big thrill when your player's doing well. In other cities. Although I don't play, I
0: can see how it creates the temporary but meaningful illusion of relevance (laughs) for people who otherwise (laughs) are are not. Are are just Uh, not.
2: No, it's it's true. Uh, Paula, literally, this is how crazy it is. When there are players on (laughs) bye during a bye week. She, she does not replace the player who's on bye, right? So meaning she gets no points from that position. Wide receiver has a bye week. She's had weeks when she's had two to three players on bye, and won the week because the other players in the roster it's were so good.
0: It's a gift. What
2: can I say? Paula,
0: you have a busy career. It's you true. have a family, a big family. What could possibly be diverting your time away from this crucial test? Can I say? Can I say? I let my algorithm do it. Can I say that? Al. Uh, Get on it. Al
2: does the. Can I say, my wife did say to me Sunday night, as I'm watching this game, and then I lose in the final drive of the game, she she saw my distress. She said, You're never playing fantasy football again. I can't stand you in. Did you throw football. something at the TV? And I, I th- threw a pillow. Uh, Did you
1: swear about me? Uh, no. Uh, Was my, I, my that, name in a list of... Well, Liam,
0: infectives. having met your wife and, seeing and and talking with her and
2: seeing how lovely she is, you better shut your trap and deal be time. That is, advice, that, is, that is generally the rule I live happy by. That's my advice, bud. That is generally the rule I live by. Happy
1: wife, happy life. Excellent. You,
0: you, can, you can take up uh, Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering. Okay, will take up Magic, the, Magic
2: Gathering? the Gathering. That's that weird card game that geeks played in uh, uh maybe like in the 90s. Oh yeah, my so sons popular.
0: did it when they were little.
2: Yeah. And mm-hmm. then there's Dungeons and Dragons. Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons now the I uh the whole uh what is the the role play one now that people do? Pick oh, dear. On? looking at me? I don't know. No, Frontline. Uh, <laughs> what's the or, role playing? I did just naturally <laughs> oh look at God. you for the answer
0: to. <laughs> something long. The Life. David Price thing, right? No, oh, well, there's. Well, that's so a video. The, that's
2: game. the uh, Fortnite. And Fortnite. And then there's. Yeah. Fortnite. But no, what's the one where you go out in the woods and pretend you're a medieval soldier? Uh, LARPing. LARPing. He didn't oh, know the had answer. I've not LARPing. heard of LARPing. Jonathan did know yeah. the answer. I've around.
0: Jonathan? Yes. Your turn here, buddy. Are
1: these like people who are. Are, are, are you actors? a war yeah,
2: Tell the truth. Something. I know. I have not never larped. But you I've know I have never you
0: observed larping mm-hmm. firsthand?
2: Not knowingly, no. <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> knowingly. <laughs> I,
2: I, what the I Have seen groups of people <clears throat> holding cell phones like standing in circles and I don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> uh-huh. I've, never, never I've never heard Never heard that one. Knowingly mm-hmm. went to watch Larping. LARPing. No. larping is generally huh. they dress up, they get the swords, and they do the medieval stuff in the woods. And don't you think you should take like a Game pay cut Thrones. for knowing yeah. what larping is? I mean <laughs> I If I c- here, if you should get
0: a, if a bonus. That <laughs> <Colombian> <laughs> CEO you should get a, should a bonus.
2: Take,
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we have covered a wide range of yeah. topics on this studio. BZ. We want you to rate and review, subscribe and share, and contact us at Studio BZ Pod. Mm. And I'm at Paula Evan WBZ.
2: I'm at Liam WBZ and at Keller at Large. If you have fantasy tips, send them to me. Don't send them to Paula. She won't touch her team. Anymore. Address those fantasy tips to at Liam the Nerd.
1: <laughs> new Liam Twitter handle
0: for me. Excellent.
1: <laughs>
0: and, <laughs> go to death. Go next week, Speaking of nerds, we'll, we'll be seeing be you.
2: <laughs> edit out that pause for you. <laughs> I actually think LARPing could be kind of fun. You should try it, Liam. If you're into fantasy football, it's. Then it's just the next you step. Can, you can do uh, football LARPing. Football LARPing. Why not? We could. We could just you know, pretend that just I'm a really good football player. Football LARPing. And play football. Right. And <laughs> instead of actually just picking players to play for me. Yeah. It just makes me a general manager. I'm more powerful.
4: That
2: Live action.